Welcome back to the Live AD33 podcast. I am your host, George Helloa, and we're back after a little bit of a hiatus. I realize I haven't posted in about three months, and because now that I've been offline, but with everything that's been going on with coronavirus and now certain other uh, unrest, I have been posting a lot uh, of videos on my Facebook page and Instagram and just trying to bring daily encouragement to the people in my congregation. And so the podcast has kind of fell by the wayside, but I realized that a lot of what I've been sharing there uh, can be shared here on the podcast. So today, we're going to jump right back into the podcast. We're going to try to give, as is our goal, some uh, eternal perspective to current events. And we're going to talk today about wrestling with racism, wrestling with racism, because this is at its root, you're going to hear me say it, a gospel issue and a sin issue, and I think falls under the category of giving uh, of something that we need to talk about as the church, as followers of Jesus Christ. And if you're not a follower of Jesus Christ, understanding that the solution, the true solution to racism is found in Jesus Christ. So we're going to jump right in. We're going to call this uh, maybe the beginning of season two. I don't really know, but the point is we are back and uh, we're going to be here as best we can to encourage you and give you God's word. So here we go. Hey, everyone. Pastor George back to give current events eternal perspective. How do you talk about something that sets people off every time you talk about it? How do we address it publicly without being accused of virtual signaling? Now, I think we'd all agree that talking about race these days is a difficult thing. From Black Lives Matter to white privilege to border walls to dreamers, even talking about race opens someone up to criticism and attack. And racial tensions in America are high, this time ignited by the awful death of George Floyd and fueled by politicians, soundbites, and social media. What's equally difficult is that with media and politicians constantly bringing these conflicts into sharp focus, every racial indiscretion or incident viewed as racially motivated are judged in the court of popular opinion even before the actual facts emerge. Now, binary thinking has taken over, which says that if you support the police, you also support racism, and supporting protesters means you support rioters. And there's no middle ground, and everyone is claiming the moral high ground. And as Christians, we are commanded to love our neighbor and welcome the stranger among us. Our belief in the sanctity of life demands we care for, defend, and protect the most vulnerable among us. But often, we see the positive and biblical message of seeking racial equality drown out by lawlessness, something that we cannot support. Now, racism is old as humanity. At its core, racism is assigning a person value or worth based solely on their ethnicity or, or cultural background. It's treating someone unfairly or unjustly just because of the color of their skin or their national origin. It's also assigning an individual specific traits based on a stereotype of someone's culture. It's the antiquated notions that you know, black people can't swim, and white men can't jump, and all Arabs are terrorists, and on and on and on. Pick a culture and pick your stereotype. And it's a door that often swings both ways, and it's wrong. Now, I was trying to think of a way someone could actually justify racism, and, and I came to the conclusion that racism really means that I get to decide who my neighbor is. Now, Jesus had a powerful interaction with a lawyer that illustrates his truth. And behold, a lawyer stood up and put him to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, What is written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind, 
and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, You have answered correctly. Do this, and you will live. But he, the lawyer, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Now, at this moment, Jesus tells the parable of the Good Samaritan. Now, the short version is that a man was wounded on the road, and, and powerful, privileged people of his same race and culture walked right by him. But it was a Samaritan, a man from a different culture and a religion, to the wounded man who stopped, tended to the man, and provided for him while he healed. So according to the parable, the Samaritan was the better neighbor than the rest because he treated the wounded man with love, respect, and dignity. And why this stung was that the Jews were racist towards Samaritans. They treated them as inferior because they were essentially half-breeds in the eyes of the pure-blooded Jews. So for Jesus to actually make the Samaritan the hero of the story had to hurt. But the point Jesus made was undeniable. We don't get to choose our neighbor. Our neighbor is the one that God brings across our path, and he expects us to love them as he would. So let's call it for what it is. Racism is a sin problem. It comes from the darkest parts of a person's heart, and it's rooted in ignorance, fear, and at its worst, it is the sin of pride, that I have more value than another person. And that valuation is, is made on the most shallow of reasons, the, the color of our skin. And simply put, to view someone as inferior to yourself simply because they are part of another ethnic group or because they were raised differently than you is to ignore the image of God in them and to assume a role of judgment that ought to be held solely by God. Albert Moeller said, Any assertion of racial superiority is a repudiation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'll be honest. In the past, I've ignored racism. Not with malicious intent, but because I figured the best way to create a culture of inclusiveness was to act totally colorblind. I mean, how can we ever get over it if we just keep bringing it up? But what I think I missed is that what makes us different is what makes us rich and vibrant. And to act totally colorblind is to ignore and, and fail to embrace the culture and heritage of people not like me. And by recognizing that racism exists and rejecting it philosophically, it gives us the opportunity to see and treat people with dignity and respect for who they are. It gives us the freedom to acknowledge and celebrate those things that make a culture vibrant and to judge people on their merit, not their melanin. And the reality is if we ignore the mistakes of the past, we are doomed to repeat them. I think we need to be willing to acknowledge any racism in our hearts and our communities just as we would any other sin and seek forgiveness for it. In recognizing our biases and prejudices, we take the first step to asking why we think that way and towards choosing to treat people as if they are indeed in the image of God. Now, keep in mind, acknowledging something in my life does not mean I take responsibility for something I did not do. Yes, I'm white, but my family were not slave owners in the Deep South. I do not personally owe anyone recompense for someone else's actions. And there are racist people in my family tree, but I am not required to abide by their legacy nor make restitution for it. But I can choose to be better. And we don't have to succumb to binary thinking, that we only have two options in our approach to this. We can support law enforcement while also demanding necessary changes in policy and procedure. We can support peaceful protests without giving legitimacy to rioting and looting. And let's choose to be hopeful people not vilifying all the police for the actions of a few, nor confusing those fighting for equality and justice with those creating anarchy and chaos. And can we acknowledge that overcoming racism is a gospel mandate? 
Matthew 28, 19. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Acts 1.8, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. In other words, we need to realize that the call to share God's love and the gospel message is not just to the people who are like us, but the people who are not like us too. Because as we go to all nations, or all nations come to us through immigration, we're going to encounter people not like us. Now the best example of this is found in Acts 10, where Peter the consummate Jew, finds himself in the home of Cornelius, a Gentile, who was sent for Peter because he wants to know the message that God has for him. Now, at first, Peter was hesitant to go. He would have to give up some of his cultural identity to take that bold step. But Christ showed Peter what was more important. And as he entered Cornelius' home, Peter said to them, You yourselves know how unlawful it is for a Jew to associate with or to visit anyone of another nation, but God has shown me that I should not call any person common or unclean. And Cornelius responded, So I sent for you, and you have been kind enough to come. Now, therefore, we are all here in the presence of God to hear all that you have been commanded by the Lord. And so Peter opened his mouth and said, Truly, I understand that God shows no partiality. But in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. So what this teaches us, and what we have to realize is that overcoming racism is intentional and gospel-centered. John 4.4 4 says that Jesus had to pass through Samaria. And this is where he encountered the woman at the well. And the Samaritan woman uh, said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealing with Samaritans. Now, even though it was the straightest route to and from Jerusalem, most Jews actually avoided Samaria going out of their way to avoid the Samaritans. But Jesus walked right into it. And I believe he did so intentionally, knowing what would happen. And crossing racial and social barriers, Jesus demonstrated to her that she ultimately had value and worth, and the eyes of God was entitled to the same hope as the Jews were, the same hope he was offering her. So maybe it's time we are more intentional about overcoming racism. Maybe we need to be willing to literally go into all the world, have conversations, listen to their stories, learn to love people, and share the eternal hope of heaven with them. Because heaven will be filled with people from every tribe, tongue, and nation. Look, I recognize that the church doesn't have a spotless record when it comes to racism. And the church, like America, can do better. But it will take more than politics and protests to experience true equality and unity. And there's only one place that can happen. At the foot of the cross of Jesus Christ. Here, says Paul, there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is no male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. There truly is only one human race. And yes, there may be cultural differences and language barriers, but we all carry the same hopes fears, dreams, and the need for a Savior. And the hope of our reconciliation with God through Christ is the example of forgiveness, healing, and reconciliation that our world needs. And my prayer is that as we lift up His light, it will start to bring us together. Until next time, God bless, be safe, and we'll see you soon. Thanks for tuning in to the Live AD 33 podcast, where we do want to give current events eternal perspective. 
If you have any thoughts, if you have anything you want to share with us, go ahead and email us at live8033 at gmail.com. Our music today is by Lee Rosevear. You can find his stuff online at the freemusicarchive.org. And as always, my name is George Hellowa, committed to bringing you the Word of God in these crazy times that we might walk with God and be encouraged by it and live by it. We'll see you soon. Thank you.